Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 350 of the podcast. It is November 4th, 2019. We're returning um, after a little bit of a break. And returning to the podcast today is my guest, Tim Turner. He was a guest in episode 90. Um, talking about the book that he wrote with a number of his colleagues from Toyota, a book called One Team on All Levels. And we've reconnected and we're talking today. Um, you know, Tim uh, left Toyota after 22 years. Um, so we're going to talk about some of the things he was involved in in the last years of his career. And we're also going to talk about his experience of going and working at another non-Toyota company. And we're also going to talk about his work as a consultant. So it's an interesting evolution to bring um, these lessons from Toyota out into other organizations. So if you'd like to learn more about Tim and his book, you can go to the blog post for this episode at leanblog.org slash 350. Well, again, we are joined today by uh, a returning guest. It's been a little while, uh, Tim Turner. Uh, is back with us. He was a guest in episode 90, way back in uh, 2010. So if you want to find that episode, you can go to leanblog.org slash 90. But with that, Tim, let me welcome you back to the podcast. How are you? Doing great. And thank you for the opportunity. So, you know, I encourage people to go and and listen to that episode. But if you can help us maybe recap a little bit, Um, you know, we we talk about, we, we, there we talked about a book um, that you collaborated with some others on called One Team on All Levels. Um, so I was wondering if you could give you know, a little bit of a synopsis of um, your career at Toyota, and then you know, we're going to talk about some details, I think, that occurred after 2010, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. So um, I worked at Toyota for a little over 22 years, um, and I worked um, in that area. I, I went as high as team leader. And, um, but I worked in special projects. So, uh, I, I built 1.1 million cars actually building those cars. And, but then from there I went into the safety department and worked, um, with the safety department for a little over six years. And then I actually, um, got to help launch the Lexus plant in Georgetown, which it's the only one in the United States. So that was a huge, huge opportunity. But, um, but I've, I've worked all over the assembly plants, um, the chassis section, final section, and trim section. And and you were you there in Kentucky the whole time, or did you help with um, the startup of any other plants? I, w- I was in Kentucky the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, you know, can we delve into some of that a little bit? Um, if you can sort of summarize for people, I, mean, I think for one, you know, what, what's the role of a team leader? And then maybe we can talk about safety a little bit. So first to the team leader question, like what, what are the, the day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute responsibilities of a team leader? Okay, so, um, so I basically have had five to seven team, team members that, um, that worked with me. And uh, I like to say I worked for them, but uh, in the chain of command, you know, they, they worked with me. And, um, and basically I would go out and, and I, I would answer the andons. So if there was an issue um, that they found, I would help solve that problem. 
you know, and that's basically the, the core of the day to day. But then um, past that, it was communication, uh, team building, um, problem solving, helping with quality circles to help them solve bigger problems. And uh, so basically for me, that was um, that was my goal going in every day is how can I serve my team members mm-hmm. to help them be better, more effective at adding value to the company. And uh, yeah. 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 And it's, I mean, that, that there's, there's elements of, of servant leadership in, in that. And, and you know, it, it really flips the traditional supervisor role on its head. Like for comparison, when I was at General Motors, when I started in 1995, they had changed the job title. Um, I think it literally, I think it used to be foreman, which is you know, a dated term in a number of ways. Um, mm-hmm. But they, they were calling them team coordinators. And one thing that was interesting to me being new is that they weren't really coordinating teams. It was just a different title and the same behavior. So, I mean, some of the, I mean, the important thing is being helpful and, and, and being a leader, being uh, a helper instead of being a boss, if you will, right? Right, correct. Yes, and and I, one one example that that I have that I like to share whenever I speak on team leader roles, where um, you know during the economic downturn, uh, we were tightening down, tightening up on overtime for everyone, but that didn't mean we wanted the problem solving and the kaizen mentality to stop. So team members would come to me with with suggestions on how to make a process better. And uh, one example is the cable that ties together the um, um, to open up the fuel lid and the trunk um, with the little lever by the driver's seat. We the way we have had those cables uh, routed and organized on our flow rack, they were getting tangled together, and it was making it difficult for the team members. So while the line was running, uh, I was able to to build a, a, um, a longer area to where we could stretch those out and it eliminated, um, those parts getting tangled, um, tangled up. And, uh, I did that while the line was running. So the team members still got their, their Kaizen done. They still got the credit for the Kaizen, but we were able to do that with the line running and it didn't affect mm. overtime or cost. So, I, well, a lot of team leaders really dive into that side of things and because we don't want to lose that Kaizen mentality. And, you know, if your workers come to you with ideas and then they never see those ideas come to fruition, they're going to quit coming to you with ideas. So it's really important to, to keep driving that home that, hey, if you come up with a great idea, we're going to do and it. And it truly is a, a value added suggestion we're going to do everything we can to support you and get that done mm-hmm. and before that downturn or maybe after the downturn uh was it easier to get overtime approved uh, to, to work on kaizen or, or problem solving yes yes they uh, toyota um i believe it's they give an hour a week um overtime approved overtime an hour a week for the team members to um, whether it's join quality circles or solve um, problems. And uh, so typically that that's budgeted in an hour a week. Because mm-hmm. um, when uh, this is a few years ago, this is probably like 2013 or 2014. When I lived in San Antonio, I had the opportunity to take um, some healthcare leaders and nurses and doctors as a group to go visit the Toyota plant there locally. And 
at the end of the tour and, you know, the tour was, was led by a team member and uh, it was on temporary assignment and somebody from healthcare asked, you know, well, you, you talked about Kaizen, but people sure looked busy building trucks. When do you find time for improvement? And I remember, you know, so clearly she said, well, if we have an idea and there's not time to work on it during the day, we talk to the team leader and they'll allow us to work overtime to, to do it. And, and, you know, jaws dropped because like in healthcare, uh, it's really common to get in the cost cutting mode and, and to say, oh, oh, you know, well, overtime is a cost. Overtime is bad. You can't work overtime, but there, there can be good reasons to work overtime and to make that investment, right? Exactly. You know, and it's as simple as a creating a, um, a simple return on investment form, right? And to show what that return on that investment of that hours over time um, would be. And, um, you know, and, and in most cases, they're going to see a return on investment within, you know, less than a month. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a no brainer for a company to say, Hey, if I can get a return on investment in less than a month, I'm, why would I not do this? Yeah. Cause it might, it might be a Kaizen that saves um, a couple of minutes a day and you could do the math and right. how quickly that hour of investment pays, pays itself back. Right. But then, then there, there, right. there's also, and I've heard Toyota people talk about, maybe you can elaborate on this. Um, the, the primary objective of developing people through Kaizen and problem solving. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. You know, really that's, that's invaluable. And, and Toyota is so big on, on developing their workforce that, 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 that they see the, you know, they see the long-term goals. Toyota doesn't think in terms of a, you know, a, what, what's our plan for this month? They're already thinking one year in advance, five years in advance, you know, even 20 years in advance. So, so they're looking at the long-term return on investment of, of developing a team member. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the Toyota calls it Hoshin planning. Everyone's most, everyone's familiar with that, with that term. And, you know, Toyota does a one-year Hoshin, a five-year Hoshin, and then they have a, a vision for 20 years from now. And the whole company, everyone focuses on that Hoshin to drive the business wherever we want it to go in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So one other thing, maybe kind of delve into um, a, l- a little bit more when, when you said you were talking about serving people, the, the team members, you, you, you talked about helping people solve a problem when there's an and on pull. Um, you know, I think in, in a lot of settings and I see this in healthcare, traditional, leadership is defined as, well, if someone, if someone reports a problem, I'm going to solve it for them. Right. Um, can, can you talk about like striking that balance of, of when do you, you know, talk about how, how do you involve people and do it? When do you do it together? When do you maybe delegate something? When do you take ownership as a team yeah. leader? When do you try to escalate a problem? And so, so um, I was always really big. My, my rule were, was, um, yeah, if you come to me with a problem, you have to come to, come with me also with a solution. And that doesn't mean that that's the solution we're going to do to solve your problem. But but I don't just want to hear everybody's complaints. Right. So mm-hmm. um, but that would start the conversation on, you know, hey, this is a truly a problem. Um, so let's and it would turn into more of a coaching session and a brainstorming session on let's look at all the options we have to solve this problem. You know, and, and then we would chart that out. Um, through the TBP, the Toyota Business Plan tools and AD, and um, 
So everything ultimately became, every problem ultimately became a simplified 8D. And that's how I would train um, my team members. So, so it would get them thinking outside of the box and, and, you know, and, and not just have to spend so much money to solve this problem because like the case I was sharing with you about, about that cable, um, what we did is we, I took a, a four inch piece of PVC, cut it in half, screwed it to the flow rack, and we were able to stretch out that whole cable. So it was a $5 Kaizen rather than, you know, building something that costed hundreds of dollars. We were able to solve it for a $5 piece of PVC piping, right? Yeah. And, you know, so it's getting those team members to think outside of the box and, and, uh, and it really turned into a, a constant coaching session. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I was um, personally, and, and most team leaders are this way, and Toyota teaches it, um, that it, the ultimate goal is to develop that team member into a problem solver themselves. And it, it's kind of like, um, you know, the saying, um, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach him to fish, um, he'll eat for a lifetime. And, and it's along those same kind of lines. We, we really focused on developing them into into coming up with solutions to solve their problems, and and that was that's huge. Um, I, I know for me now with the with with my business, um, that's really my big focus is teaching um, cross functional teams so how to solve a problem together, and um, you know and. Yeah. Most organizations, they have, they have people that have the answers, right? They just need somebody mm-hmm. to help coach them through, coach yeah. the experts through the problem. And, and so that's kind of what, what we do. Yeah, I agree with you. People have the answers. People should be involved. I, I think sometimes it can be helpful to provide a little bit of coaching around, uh, you know, problem-solving thought processes. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, there, there are so many different ways of framing that. Um, I mean, like, you know, at the front line, you know, when, when you talk about that cable uh, or, or other situations, were there, were there a lot of formal A3s or, or were there other mechanisms for, for tracking what was being done or for guiding problem solving? So, so on, the, on the front line, right, right on the floor, it was a, uh, it was a really simple, um, a simplified quality circle A3 form and uh, we, we didn't, you know, break down the details on paper. Um, so the team members would come to us with, with the problem, uh, potential solutions. And then at that point, depending upon the complexity of the problem, would depend on whether we turned it into an A3 or it was more of a simple Kaizen, um, you know, and it really depended upon the complexity of the problem. So the team members would start out with, a, with an eight and a half by 11, one sheet of paper that they would fill out. And then from that point, we would determine whether we can get all the needed information on that one sheet of paper or do we need to make it into an A3 and truly break it down deeper. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there, there's somebody listening to this right now who uh, is talking to their um, car stereo or their, their iPhone as they're listening and they're saying, ask them about Kata. Come on, Mark, ask them about Kata. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious um, your, your thoughts on, on the Toyota Kata mindset or methodology um, and if, if you've read about that or if, if that resonates with you in terms of the improvement approaches that were being used on the floor. Yes, yes. It's, um, um, it really does. It, it, 
the development of the team members um, ultimately drives the changes and the, the Toyota Kata, you know, it's a, it's a great example as far as a, you know, it's, it's a mindset, right? It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a cultural shift um, for, for companies to get team members to think in those kind of terms. And it's, um, so now that is, it's a great example of, of a true cultural shift and a mindset change. Yeah. So, you know, before we, we, we jump into other topics, um, you know, there's one other thing you mentioned in, in terms of different roles and, and that was, you know, being on special projects and being in a safety department. And, you know, one thing that I've, I've heard very consistently from Toyota people um, over the years uh, in, in the U.S. and in Japan is the idea that, you know, safety is a precondition. And, uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, that word is used specifically. It's, it's not just a priority. It's a necessary. It has to be their precondition for, for doing anything else. So I was wondering if you could talk, you know, about, um, you know, the, the, your experience, um, you know, in terms of what's that mindset and culture around safety and what types of things did you do um, working on safety special projects? Okay. Yeah, we, um, you're right. It is. And actually safety, um, every standardized work form that I know of at Toyota that I've ever seen in my 22 or 23 years there was, um, had safety key points on it. It was literally built into the processes. And, um, so it's vital, but but then, you know, to keep the team members thinking about safety all the time and, and, um, a few examples that I did is team members would come to me with an idea. We, we actually had a, had a problem with the door trim, um, the push force on the, to install the door trim to the door and the way the line was designed. Um, the door carrier acted as if it was on a pendulum. So the door carriers are hanging above and, uh, the team members would go to push that on. Well, when, when they would push that door trim on, um, the push force was pretty excessive because, the door dolly had to go back an inch or two to create a hard stop before they could actually do their work. So um, I worked with a quality circle on that line. Uh, We designed a dolly that um, the team member would push a button. It would raise an arm up and create an instant hard stop on that door carrier. And and then at that point they could push that door trim on. So it went from being 27 kgs of push force down to four kgs of push force which got us into our standard at the time and uh we actually received a a patent for that for that um process so it was you know a pretty cool thing this team of five or six people that were team leaders and team members on the floor designed this piece of equipment that helped multiple team members and then toyota um got it patented for us so that was you know that's a huge um that's a huge thing for motivation whenever your company will actually pay for you to have a patent. And, you know, of course, Toyota owns it. They implemented our Kaizen and other factories around the world, but my name will forever be on a U.S. patent. And that's, that's just mm-hmm. such a big deal for me. That's um, very cool. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and then uh, another one we did is, is the, um, parent-child dollies that delivered our parts. Uh, some of those parent-child dollies were really, really heavy because they had to be sturdy to withstand the, the constant shipping back and forth to the suppliers. So we, um, on our parent dollies, we designed a, 
we put a button in just a simple air tank that you could buy at Lowe's or Home Depot and, and they push a, that, they push a button. The cylinder would kick that door dolly out enough to get the wheels turning the direction that the team members needed to where they could pull it right into the line. So that was a hundred dollar Kaizen that, um, greatly reduced back injuries. So, you know, it, it's simple things like that to, mm. in, to building lifts. It could be, and safety was at the forefront and everybody was highlighting those problems and saying, you know, we, we've got to fix this because my back's hurting. I'm doing this 500 times a day. Right. And so we would get creative in how we solve those problems. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm sure, you know, there, there, there's, you know, because the factory is always changing and we'll, we'll talk about some of those changes in a minute. I mean, there's, there's always something to work on, even with safety being such an important precondition, um, things change new, uh, there's new opportunities for improvement that get introduced into the work. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And the, um, our Lexus startup, and we'll, we'll talk about that shortly, but yeah. that created, that created a whole new list of opportunities to be innovative. And, uh, so yes, it, it, it's always changing. Yeah. And, and before we talk about that, just one other thought, you know, I'm just kind of reminded and I, I saw somebody post reference to it earlier. Sometimes it's attributed to Taiichi Yono. Sometimes it's attributed to Shigeo Shingo, or they both said it, or they both wrote it talking about priorities for improvement, easier, better, faster, cheaper. And I remember once somebody asked like, well, why, why, does, why doesn't he say safer, easier, better, faster, cheaper? And, you know, I thought, well, may, I hate to say safety. It, it's maybe problematic to say safety is assumed, but mm-hmm. if, if safety really is a precondition, like the safety arch that you walk through, even coming in as a tour visitor, you know, there's this expression that, you know, uh, that, that this is the safety is the doorway to all other work. Like me, I wonder if it's the type of thing that, that Ono and Shingo didn't think needed saying. I don't know. I, I, I believe so. And I also think that that could be um, culturally as well for, for, um, for the Japanese, um, you know, as far as taking care of their workers and, and uh, their workers tend to, um, you know, that they tend to look out for each other too, which is, which is, you know, kind of unique versus, you know, versus Americans, right. Is is those workers together will say, Hey, we got, you know, five processes, um, Jimmy son or whatever, you know, is hurting. And, and so we're going to, we're going to work together and we're going to keep him off that job. And, And that happens in Japan all the time, you know, to give that team member a break to, to let their hands rest on that more difficult job. And, you know, and, and, um, and so that's a cultural thing as well, I believe. Yeah. So um, let, let, let's talk about some of those changes and, and you were deeply involved in this. If you, if you could tell us about um, what it was like being involved in starting up Lexus production there in Kentucky. It, it was honestly one of the most um, rewarding well, it, it, it was, as far as my career goes, the most rewarding thing that I ever had a chance to be a part of. Um, Toyota, whenever we set up that Lexus plant, uh, they took, um, they had people apply to work for the Lexus plant. And then you had to be approved um, to work in there. And it was very stringent. You know, um, they were looking for just the right people. And, and um, 
So when I applied, literally the, the applications opened up at midnight one day and I actually stayed awake and applied. I was probably the first person to apply, <laughs> but, um, but, um, I applied for it and, um, and luckily I got the chance to work in the, um, in the quality gate teams. So, so I got to be a part of really the whole factory setup and I, I started um, when it was an empty shell and, and most of the team members did actually, but, but the, uh, some key team leaders started, um, about a month before the team members did. And, uh, we would go in and they had actually went out and bought 27 Lexus uh, ES 350s from a local dealership. And we took those cars apart and rebuilt them and took them apart and rebuilt them until, you know, till we couldn't use them anymore, basically. And we did that over a whole year. Um, and the team members, we, um, team members basically had a year before we ever ran a car on the production line of training on those cars. And, um, so it was very, very intense training, but, but TMMK realized that, and Will James was the president at the time. And he recognized that, Hey, we need to make, we need to put our best foot forward for this. And, um, so, so we had a whole year to prepare. And, um, so there it was a four minute tack time. So most of the team members were used to, they're moving into the next car every 50 seconds. So now all of a sudden we're doing, you know, four times the work that they normally do, but they have four minute tack time to do it in. And uh, so the standardized workbooks would be 60 to 100 pages thick. Mm. And, uh, and the team members had to memorize verbatim those workbooks. And uh, they had to memorize those verbatim um, 25% at a time. And then they had to get a they had to present that to the assistant manager, the assistant manager level and the group leader level would come out and, and have the book in their hands. And the team member would recite verbatim what that book said and walk them through the process. And we set up that whole plant like that. Every team member learning uh, at the beginning, it was two processes. And we set up that whole plant like that over a year, which is, which is why we won JD power platinum award our first year after you know, after launching and um, it's because of the level of detail that went into training these team members and, and getting them ready. And, you know, I, I know from, for my team in particular, um, we had the quality gates. So I wanted my team members to be so knowledgeable of the line of their line and the area they were responsible for that, that I personally sat down and typed out every, every, major step and every quality key point that went to that, that element of the car. Mm-hmm. And, and then those team members, and I did that over 90 processes. Mm. And, and then my team members had to sit down and handwrite their 30 processes they were responsible for from a quality gate standpoint. They had to handwrite it. And that way I knew that they understood every quality aspect of that car and the only person on their line that knew, that would know it better was the group leader. And um, because the team leaders were focused on their four processes, right? But right. my yeah. team had to know the whole aspect of final line. And uh, right. so, so we, that's how in depth we got though with the training. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's a huge investment to pay 
it's an understatement to say it's a huge investment um, to pay people for, for a year as part of that startup. Right. And it was about 900 team members and it was, uh, we were not adding value to the bottom line, you know, expenses of the company at the time or the bottom line profits. Um, but they were, they were, they were forward thinking in the fact that whenever that plant, when we were successful, when we won JD power, that was only going to increase our, the customer's respect for the company and that product. So, you know, it's one of those perfect examples of, of team member development and the long-term vision and goal for what they wanted to, to uh, succeed at. Yeah. 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 Wow. And, and when we talk about this process of taking apart and putting together cars, um, I imagine they, they were trying to help team members and everybody understand the totality of the product of not just being brought in and trained on one or two right. 60 second cycle jobs, right? Correct. Yes. They wanted to understand it. And another uh, aspect of my job was I was the, um, the sensory skills GPC trainer, which is the global production center. And uh, so I would teach team members to, um, down to the, the minute details of a one millimeter gap. And if they couldn't pass my testing, then mm. they, they, they didn't get to stay in Lexus. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, it was in depth, a day long training, just teaching team members. Like, like one example that I love to share with is, um, making connections. So our functional skills training would teach people how to make connections in a timely manner. But the sensory skills, which is used at Lexus, and, and now it's actually used in the Toyota side as well. We, we yoke it in that to the other plants. But they would make a connection, and, and I would purposely bend pins, and we would adjust um, the – we had a little push force, um, a cylinder in each connection. The, um, and the team members would push a connection, and then they would have to determine whether there was um, – whether that was a defect or not, you know, could they push it in? Did it have a little bit too much push force needed? So most likely there was a bent pin in there. And then those team members would have to tell me, okay, number one and four was, were bad. Mm. And uh, so, you know, so we were getting to the details of how does it feel when you make that connection and is it right or is it wrong? And um, so, yeah, that was the, another level of training that we did at Lexus. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's, um, maybe, you know, kind of change directions, um, a little bit again, if, um, can, can you talk about then what it was like leaving Toyota and starting to work, um, with other organizations that were trying to, uh, improve? Yeah, it is, um, it's a very interesting challenge to, uh, to go to other companies and, and I, I left Toyota and, and went to work for a Fortune 500 company uh, for about two years, and um, you know, and help, helping helping that company take in some Toyota some Toyota way principles to to make them better, right? And uh, but then, um, you know, one of the big challenges is just that whole mindset that Toyota Kata mindset that you were speaking of, getting them to understand the the longer term goals of, of what we're trying to achieve. And um, so it's definitely a challenge, but it is so much fun to do it. Um, 
whenever, especially whenever they want to that, that, that change. So, um, so I've since left um, the company that, that I was working for and started my own consulting business and focusing on these companies and helping them, um, whether it's launching a new factory and doing it right the first time or going back in and helping them solve their problems and, and get to that level. And, but it's not a fast process. It, it takes mm. time to do that. And when you say it's not a fast process, um, was that company you were working with patient about that? Or, or sometimes organizations are very impatient about, we want to become world-class right now. You have, you have 90 days to go. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, um, they, you know, they, they, they were excited. Um, and I don't think they ever expected it to be an overnight, overnight thing. So, um, you know, but there are a lot of companies out there that does want it to happen instantly. And, and, you know, that's just, that's just not how it works. So, um, especially when you're changing a whole mindset and, and a whole culture and getting them to see the, you know, the bigger picture of what you're trying to accomplish. So, so you get those little wins that you can, and then that gets buy-in from other people to say, Hey, this, this is some pretty good stuff. And, you know, you, you get the little wins and then, um, then you get some big wins along the way. And the whole time you do, you're changing that mindset about the whole process of lean. And, you know, um, lean's one of those words that, that is used probably way too loosely. And, and I personally don't, um, don't think that lean is just, let's go in and cut jobs. That's right. You know, and it gets, it gets, that's the stigma. That's the stereotype. Right. But, for me, it's, it's an, I heard an acronym one time or an example is it's let everyone assist now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that, that really stuck with me as far as, you know, that's the mindset that companies has to have that, that it can't just be a decision from the top to say, we we're going to go lean, right? It, it's got to be a buy-in from everybody. And, and to do that, you have to put in some soft skills, you know, things in there, um, like the servant leadership. Toyota never really spoke about servant leadership, but everything that they do in their processes leads to a servant leadership mindset. Yeah. You know, so, so that's really, um, you know, and that's really key to it. It's not about going in and, and cutting jobs. It's about going in and finding out what's the true value, what isn't. Um, can we shift some manpower around so everybody is adding value, right? And and what kind of automation can we do to eliminate that non-value added work? Whether it's in healthcare, with you know, with AGVs setting up mm-hmm. um, dollies that can deliver you know materials to each se- section of the hospitals, or whether it's in a in a factory setting. Yeah. Yeah, and so maybe let's talk a little bit about the word lean. Um, you know, you, you use that acronym. It's a positive one. Let everyone assist now. The one when when you know you talk about companies, and this sadly is the case in healthcare. There's a tradition of cost cutting, and there's a sad tradition of layoffs, and so people hear lean, and you know the the, the one acronym I'm sure you've heard it is less employees are needed. Right. And that, that, you know, that there, there are negative connotations to the word lean. I, I, I wish, uh, yeah, 
going back in time, it had been a, a more positive sounding word instead of lean production, lean manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, in, in a way, like, I, I think people sometimes prejudge whether it's an executive who is really into cost cutting and they say, okay, well, lean will help me do cost cutting. They're not embracing the mindset and the culture or, or what, what I've heard others from Toyota describe as a philosophy, right? Right, this, right. This gets organizations in trouble then. Mm, yes. Yes, it does. And because a, a key to Toyota's success is the team members knowing that they're going to have a job tomorrow. Yeah. That's why it works, right? That's why team members are willing to work a little bit harder because they know that at the end of the day, they're going to have a job tomorrow. And, you know, and, and are we going to use variable workforce, you know, to help adjust when the economy changes? Of, of course we are. It would be a bad business move not to do that. But at least those team members, those variable workforce members recognizes the fact that, Hey, you know, if, they go in knowing that's the situation, right? And, right. And, and there's only been one time, to the best of my knowledge, that that um, TMMK had to um, let some variable workforce go, and that was in you know during the recession in 2009. And uh, but that but Toyota actually worked with the temporary agencies to find all those team members' jobs in the meantime, and then they did not lose their spot whenever it came for Toyota to hire again. Right. So. You know, so so that mindset was still there that the company is looking out for you. And, you know, I, I personally have made it a commitment that that I won't consult with a company that just wants to cut jobs. Right. It, they have to they have to be willing to let attrition take its course. Right. And work through that. And, and you know, and at the end of the day, will they have less team members? Probably. And, you know, because, um, you know, because you've got to make them more effective. But laying off people. Um, I don't, I personally don't want my company being associated with that. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just a values thing for me. So, yeah. you know, I'll go, I'll go in and help, but then attrition has to take its course and, and they just recognize that we're going to work through that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause like you said, uh, attrition, natural turnover is going to occur uh, voluntary turnover. And then there's also sometimes the opportunities for growth. And right. growing in a, a more scalable way, um, gr- growing and, and doing more work with, call it the same number of staff members. It, it, the, the phrase doing more with less scarce people, because again, that sounds like cost cutting and we're going to just pressure right. you. But the, the key to the Toyota approach is equipping people to be successful, designing the work in a way that's right. safe and doesn't overburden people. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it's a matter of, you know, um, I recently worked with a, a, a Toyota dealership to go in and help their process be more lean when they do oil changes. And yeah. so so they were able to be more efficient in the oil changes that they did and, and they could do more faster all because we built a simple dolly that they could wheel with them to that had their all their tools on it. So, you know, we cut 10 or 15 minutes off of their off of their tack time all because they weren't walking back and forth, which was extra energy for them. Right. It's yeah. Um, we, we tend to walk ourselves, you know, a lot more than we have to. And, um, you know, if you can build a simple dolly that you can will with you that have as everything on it, you need, and you know, then that team member ultimately is going to go home at night, not feeling as tired 
but they've been more efficient and more profitable for the company. Yeah. You know, and and that's a, to me, that's a great example that could work with any organization is what are those tools that can help that team member be more successful and still go home at night feeling, you know, the same or less tired than what they were originally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, and you talk about, um, dealers and there there's one that I go to, it's not a Toyota or a Lexus dealer. Um, and, and with their service department, they offer, uh, you know, free car wash at the end of your service. Or I think you can even just show up randomly. And if you bought the car mm-hmm. there, you can get a free car wash every time. But there's often a sign posted that says something like, you know, the current waiting time for a car wash is one hour. I'm like, well, that's not a free car wash. <laughs> right. No, nope, because you're and, giving up an hour of your time. And and I want to know, and like, it's not like they're doing a, a hand wash in detail. I'm sure it's an automated car wash that probably takes all of three minutes to run through. So then it starts making me think like, well, why why is the flow or the process so bad that it ends up taking an hour? And I'll tell you, the last time I was there getting some sort of, um, uh, there was some sort of warranty repair or, or recall, I forget what it was. And the, you know, the service advisor said, okay, well, you know, the car is ready, but it's going to take a while to go through the car wash. And, and I, and I said, basically, you know what, I'd like to say no thanks to the car wash that, that does mm-hmm. not add value to me right now. I would <laughs> right. like to get the car and leave. And yep. I tried to do that as politely as possible. And they're like, okay, we'll, we'll get the car brought around. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that is a great example that, that they're trying to add value, but they're not doing it in the, in necessarily the right way. There, there would be so much of a big way to improve that whole process. And, I, I bet there is. And, I, and I've, yeah. you know, I've, I've learned, I try to practice what I preach of not, not blaming the people they're doing the best right. they can, but there's something about the design of that work that, that probably begs uh, for some improvement. Yes, Absolutely. And then not to get too sidetracked, but um, I'm, I may get slightly distracted in a couple of minutes. Um, I had a vehicle in for service and someone listening is going to say, well, maybe you should buy a Toyota or a Lexus and you're not always going to have a car <laughs> at the dealer. Um, but they, they are adding value of where, you know, I, I dropped the car off. Um, it took two days and they, and they gave me a shuttle ride home. I have another vehicle at home. I didn't need a loaner. It's fine. Well, then for the first time, they reached out and said, well, we could actually deliver the vehicle to your home. I thought, oh, that's great. That'll save me some time. That sounds convenient. Could you please bring it between 9 and 11? So, you know, we're recording this podcast in about 8.30 in the morning. My phone starts ringing, which then my Mac decides to do goofy things about the iPhone call coming in. And it probably, I think it messed up or interrupted the sound for, um, a couple of seconds. And then I could look and read, they left a voicemail. Okay, we're on the way over. And I'm like, well, they're probably going to show up before nine, which I hate to complain about it being early. Uh, but you know, this isn't the Japanese bullet train where they have, where they apologize for being a few seconds early instead of being right on time. Right. So I will apologize. Uh, I may have to call timeout and um, take care of that before we wrap up the podcast. So yeah. While we were on the topic of dealers, that was ironically a little cause of interruption and, and distraction um, a few minutes ago. Okay, so that's the point where the dealership was returning my vehicle. I had to call timeout and interrupt the podcast, but I've edited that out and we'll be back with more from Tim Turner in just a second. Um, so, so Tim, uh, let's let's talk more about 
the consulting work that you're doing. And, and one thing that really resonated with me was, you know, you talking about not consulting with companies that, that want to cut jobs. You know, I've been fortunate um, two different times now when I've worked for other consulting firms, because I mean, I, I share that value personally, but I've been fortunate um, to work with others who have that same um, criteria or threshold of even building it into contracts with a client to say, you know, if, if there is job loss due to this work, then okay, we're, we're, <laughs> that voids the contract, we're backing out. Um, to set that expectation, mm-hmm. not just contractually, but making sure we're all on the same page with, um, with the client. Um, but, you know, I, you know uh, what, what are some of the other, you know, components now of uh, what you've learned or what you're doing, moving from Toyota to a different non-Toyota company to now working as a consultant? Okay. Yeah. So, so for me, um, one, one huge aspect, and, and I've shared it, is, you know, the servant leadership aspect of, of the Toyota way. So, so how do you train that kind of mindset into company? So um, one of my bucket list things was, was I'm a, I'm an avid John Maxwell reader. I, I love John Maxwell leadership content. So I actually became a John Maxwell certified speaker, trainer, coach. So I, I can go in and teach those servant leadership principles to companies, um, you know, to help them understand that mindset of, you know, the, the only way a, a lane system, a Toyota system works is whenever you, you do practice servant leadership. And, and a key to servant leadership is that you don't provide everybody their wants, you meet their needs. And, you know, so um, not everybody's going to like the fact that you're only going to meet their needs, but they're going to respect the fact that you're going to do that. And, um, you know, and, and that's going to build that mutual trust, which is so key in, in Toyota um, facilities is that mutual trust aspect and that mutual respect aspect. And um, so, so for me, um, you know, that, that's, that's a huge part of what I, what I try to do. And, um, and then what we like to do is, is, I, I have 25 retired Toyota team members and team leaders uh, up to assistant manager um, that works with me. And we actually will go in and what I, what I love to do is go in and do a Kaizen Blitz project with the company. So, so we would go in and say, okay, they have this problem. We, we want to solve this problem. My team goes in and I match one person from my team with the person on their team. And they mentor them through the whole problem-solving process to solve yeah. the problem. So in most cases, um, you know, in, in 90% of the time, they're getting a return on investment in one year of hiring us because we're solving a major problem for them and teaching their team how to solve the next one on their own. And, then, and, and you know, and, go ahead. And, and, you know, and, and that's important for me is, is um, I, I – I'm not a success if you keep on needing me, which, which might not be good for business, right? For a consulting company, you know, but at the end of the day, my success as a, as a consultant and as a mentor and as a teacher and coach is that, that, you know, it may take five years, but at some point you're not going to need me anymore. And, you know, and, and and that's my, uh, that's my goal with every customer that we have, whether it's, um, working for an automotive dealership or whether we're working for a factory and uh, 
And, and I really love to set up factories and help a company launch a brand new facility. And, and that is so much fun because the team members, you know, are so excited because they're getting a new job and uh, we get to teach them right from the beginning how it should be yeah. done. And, and that is just so rewarding. Well, and, and, and back to the other, you know, so we talk about uh, values and, and being consultants. Um, so yeah, you know, not, not driving layoffs through lean is, is a value and it's arguably a smart idea. Like you said, going back to mutual trust, it's necessary uh, to, to have that right. trust. And then the second thing is, you know, I think good consultants are willing to work themselves out of a job instead of breeding dependence because, you, mm-hmm. know, they're, they're, you, know, when, you know, people, what I've read about, you know, experts in consulting and selling services is that the most effective way um, to gain new clients is to have existing or past clients that are so happy with you that they go out of their way mm-hmm. to recommend you. And so, I mean, I, I, right. I would try to you know give you a pat on the back that what you're talking about is good business. It's a longer term mm-hmm. strategy, which I'm guessing resonates with you going back to the idea of Toyota and long-term thinking, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. And it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm in this, I, uh, I worked at Toyota 22 years, but right now I'm only 45 years old. So, you know, so I'm still fairly young and, uh, you know, and, and so I'm in this for the long haul. And, you know, for me, I, I'm also, um, not to get sidetracked, but I'm a, I'm an associate pastor at oh. my church. So, so, so for me, this is a, this is my way of adding value to the world. Right. And, and what, what's my legacy going to be? And, and, you know, and, and anytime I can help a company save jobs, right. From, be, from becoming more efficient or anytime I can help a company launch a new factory, maybe in an area that's that, you know, that has some poverty issues. Um, I'm really passionate about that kind of stuff. And, and I, I'm actually a member of an organization in Eastern Kentucky in the Appalachian region. It's called SOAR and, they're an economic development um, group. So um, I work with companies that are, are looking to expand their operations, maybe start a new factory. And, and there's these little factories all over Eastern Kentucky right now that are empty and um, bringing jobs back to Eastern Kentucky and, and helping them find out what kind of tax incentives they can get. And, and then ultimately it's to hire out of work coal miners. Yeah. Because Eastern yeah. Kentucky, you know, has been so ravaged by, you know, from the coal, the, the decline in the coal industry. So there's an, an ample workforce there of hardworking people ready to dive into something yeah. new. Well, that, 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 that's great. And that opportunity um, to give back is something I've heard from a lot of Toyota retirees who I've talked to that Toyota, um, you know, explicitly encourages people to give back and to teach TPS or to help people with, with lean or however, whatever word is being used um, as, as a way of, of helping build um, other organizations and, and building communities, providing prosperity. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that, and that's a great thing about Toyota is they don't hesitate to let another, another automotive company come in and see, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and that, and that sounds crazy, but, but it goes back to, 
you know, the original loom and, and everyone's probably heard the story of, you know, the original loom that somebody had stole the, the plans, right. And, and, uh, the designs and, um, Toyota sign at the time said, you know, that's okay because in a month we're going to have a yeah. better loom. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, how do you keep driving that needle forward? And I think, you know, with Toyota letting other companies come in, that always keeps us being innovative and looking at how can we how can we get even better and even better and the the Lexus plant for example it's the most lean plant environmentally um, I believe in the world and there's only two actual air tools in the entire plant everything is electric or it's gravity fed so they use they use a lot of Kerr Curry um, gravity fed automation in that plant so there's uh, you know very little um, um, it's not, it, it's, it's very environmentally yeah. friendly, I guess sure. is the way to say it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, you, you know, you talk about that willingness to let others learn there. There's a fortune magazine article. I think it goes back to 1990 that talks about that dynamic mm-hmm. and it quotes, uh, I'm going off memory here. It quotes a Toyota executive who says something like, well, our, our competitors come in, and they see what they're doing, but they won't understand the soul of Toyota. And I remember that phrase vividly, right. uh, the soul of Toyota. And that's a different way. I don't know if it came through translation or, or not. Um, but this idea of culture and mindsets, and that's harder to see and it's harder to copy, right? It, correct, yes. And that's where that servant leadership you know, com- comes into play. So many companies... They try to implement lean, but they don't implement those soft skills side of, you know, quality circle implementation and to, and, and developing your people to solve problems. And they don't incorporate that side. And that's why they, they fail with their lean initiatives. So if, if you can build in that, that trust with the team mm-hmm. members, you know, um, paying for them to get a patent. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, things, things like that, um, a lot of companies wouldn't even consider that as something that would be that a team member would appreciate but but it it goes a long way at you know at Toyota those kind of things the the quality circle competitions and the 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 one the only goal at Toyota that I didn't reach is um winning a platinum level quality yeah. circle and and it's two of those um you know that they, they choose two quality circles a year and they win and then they get a trip to yeah. Japan to present their so I, I won gold multiple times, but but I never achieved that platinum <laughs> level quality yeah. circle. Yeah, and and real quickly yeah. for people who I'm, I'm familiar with quality circles, and and some listeners might not be. You know, this this is a, a practice that goes back to the total quality management days, and, I, and I've blogged about this when mm-hmm. I've been back to Japan. Um, the companies there that would say they are doing lean or TPS or Kaizen almost always are built on like this 20 year, 25 or 30 year foundation of total quality management, which, which among other things involves having everybody involved in a quality circle project, but those projects at other companies, I'm curious how it was at Toyota, Tim. Um, yeah, that these might be six month mm-hmm. long projects where teams meet and they work on something over time and some of these companies in Japan. So it's not, it's not that they're going to stop doing quality circles, but they've realized not everything needs to be a quality circle. They can also do small Kaizen's like you were describing. They can do, they can use value stream mapping to look at their process a different way. They're using 
lean, you could call these tools, but you know, it, it builds upon mm-hmm. that mindset of let, let's involve everybody in quality. Um, so can you, can you, sh- uh, what you're thinking, what, what else would you share about the, the use of quality circles at Toyota and how that fits? Yeah. So quality circles, um, for me, the most effective quality circles were the cross-functional ones where we would have, you know, four or five people from a group and then we would pull in a maintenance person or an engineer and, and we would make it a, a, a cross-functional team process. And which is when, when I worked for my previous company, using that process was where my success came from there um, because I would work with our customer, our supplier and, and our team to solve, you know, these overarching problems and, and that whole mindset of who do you pull in? Um, I like to, I've I've coined a phrase. I'm probably going to write a book on it. Um, It's called red collar, red collar leaders. And, you know, we all talk about white collar and blue collar workers, but every group, every team has that red collar leader, whether it's positive or negative, that drives the culture of that whole team. And if you can, if you can figure out how to get the buy-in of that person, then you're, you're going to sell your culture ideas easier to your organization. Right. So, so if, when I go into an organization, I'm not asking for the five most positive people in the factory. I want the five loudest people mm. in the factory. Who is driving the culture of that, that whole, their whole team or their whole group? And if we can win them over on the Toyota way, they're going to sell it to their friends. And, you know, and, and so, so that always uh, surprises some of our clients when I say, I I don't want your five most positive people (laughs) because, because they're going to buy into it. Right. I want your five, I want your five loudest or I want your 10 loudest. The ones that are not forward right now, those are the people I want. And, uh, because once you can change those red collar leaders, those red collar workers, the rest of it just falls yeah. into place. And what I've seen in, in a lot of organizations, those, those people who are loudest, um, who, who are driven mm-hmm. to improve and they question things and they have ideas, unfortunately, they can get labeled as troublemakers. But right. given the right kind of right. leadership, they, they can really thrive, right? Yeah. Because if they didn't have those emotions, they wouldn't yeah. care. Yeah. So, so they, they obviously care. And uh, so how do you take that, that emotion of that caring, whether it's in a positive mindset or a negative mindset, and how do you turn that into being effective, adding value to the company? Because if, if they weren't, if they wasn't complaining, they, they wouldn't yeah. care. And, you know, and um, so, yes, that's, <laughs> that's huge. Um, yeah. With it, with the, with those people, and, and that doesn't mean it's easy. That's typically going to be the hardest people to win over, but but once they buy into the concept, they're going to sell it yeah. to everybody. Yeah, and and I'm chuckling. I'm just going to tell a personal story real quick, um, because you know when I uh, this is going back 20 years ago, uh, when I was an engineer working, um, I'll just call it a manufacturing company, so that's what it was. Um, somebody who was a level up for me was talking to a kind of mutual friend who was a peer of mine. And, and she said something like, you know, Mark seems happier around here recently. And my friend said, well, I think he's just stopped caring so much. 
And that's yeah. sad. And, and I was on my way, I think I, I you know, I, I was on my way out of the company. I ended up leaving and, um, and going someplace mm-hmm. else. But my, my friend understood it. It's like, yeah, you know, the, the passion that I had, um, and, and, you know, it just wasn't uh, a good fit for me in that organization because it, it just, uh, just wasn't a fit, but, um, it's, it, it's right. sad then when people get worn down, I saw this at general motors, I'm going to reminisce further back where there were a lot of great, uh, uh, you know, uh, team members as Toyota would call them who had just been beat sadly, mm-hmm. just beaten down over like 35 years to where they didn't, where they didn't mm-hmm. care anymore, or it seemed like they didn't care. And, you know, I think that that's in a way it's kind of a defense mechanism um, because that was not a culture of quality and engagement. And it started turning around when we had a Toyota trained plant manager come in, but uh, mm-hmm. it's sad. So when I think about um, the, the potential for TPS and lean, it's, it's about creating jobs, but it's also about creating better jobs that as I think, as you said mm-hmm. earlier, don't leave people exhausted or even psychologically harmed at the end of the day. Right. And, and, and yeah, um, you, we were speaking about the, you know, about the problem solving and, you know, and those, those complainers, right. And Toyota teaches us to look for problems. But then I think that some companies, they get tired of hearing everybody complain about the problems, yeah. right? So, but, but our job, the core of Toyota is having every team member look for something that they can help make right. better. And, you know, and, um, and sometimes companies don't understand that. And they're like, well, all we've done is created all these complainers, mm-hmm. right? And, but, but you have to develop them along the way to also be problem solvers and, and be, be a part of the solution and not just part of the yeah. problem. And, and, uh, and I think that's, that's key to a successful lean transformation or transition. Yeah. Yeah, so as as we start to wrap up here, um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about the your your firm and, and feel free to give a plug and where, you know, how people can learn more. But one thing that's interesting to me is that your firm uh, is is all Toyota retirees, and I was wondering if you could talk about that dynamic and what it's like to work, what it's like to bring other um, Toyota colleagues into another organization. Absolutely. Yep. So, so my team. Um, they're all like-minded. I, I say they have to have the right heart and, uh, you know, to, to be in it for the right reasons because we're not looking to get rich. Um, we're just, you know, a lot of these folks are, are um, they're retired. Um, I kind of let them set their hours. And, and what I've done is I've given them each a region in the state of Kentucky. They have a four or five county region that they're responsible for. And, and we go in and, and they go and they, um, we create the training materials and, and we'll go in for company and, and for, you know, like a five, uh, for example, a $5,000 contract, you get uh, five days of training or five days of mentoring um, throughout the year. So you can choose whether you want to do all that in one five day week or whether you want to stretch that out and have us come in one day a month or one day every other month or however you want to work that out. And, um, so that gives my team members and a lot of our team members on my team retired and moved back home. So, so they would move from Western Kentucky and move to Georgetown and work their career. And then when they retired, they wanted to move back to Western Kentucky. And so that allows us to spread out and 
that keeps me from having to run all over the state by myself because I develop my people. I develop the training materials. I develop my people to train. They, um, they watch me train, you know, for, for a few sessions. And then once they feel comfortable to try it, I watch them. And then, uh, then, then I turn them loose and let them, you know, let them go at it themselves. And, um, and so we have, um, we have that we're, we're partnering with a school system in Kentucky to help set up a, a technical school. And, um, so I'm really excited about that. They have an empty middle school building that we're going to convert to where those students can get dual credits. And it's aimed at, we're creating courses that's aimed at what does that local industry mm. need? So the, there's a big power plant on that in that County and that's the biggest employer. So what does that power plant need for future workers? And then we're going to teach that skills at the high school level and, and have them ready to go into technical school or college. And, you know, and then that factory gets good, solid workers that are, that are prepared. That's awesome. So we, um, we do that. Um, I love to help companies, um, be innovative. Like, like if a company wants to give back to the community, um, setting up a special team, for example, that maybe they hire, um, maybe they hire, they partner with a local homeless shelter and, and they create this sub assembly area in their plant. And, you know, in the company, they, they want to help, but they also have to be financially, you know, they have to be smart. So, um, but to give people in their community a second chance, we come in and we do values training and we set up these processes and then they can even be triangle consulting group employees for a year. And, and I have one team I'm doing this with now. They're um, people with developmental disabilities. And so they, they're triangle consulting employees. And then once they've proven themselves after a year, the company can then hire them. So, or send them to their temporary agency. And then they go through the process to where they become full-time employees. But that corporation or that company doesn't have to take on that responsibility of, of hiring those people directly. Yeah. You know, because everybody deserves a second chance. And a lot of people change their whole life. And, and so, so one of my big goals is to partner with different companies and, and I hire people that are homeless mm. and a port, a portion of their money that they make goes into a special account. And then once they have enough money for a deposit and first month's rent, then they get that money as a bonus and then they get a raise to their full salary. And, and that way we've helped pull them out of the ditch that mm-hmm. they're in and develop them. And then we, and we've also helped the company have a good solid employee, you know, that, that recognizes, um, what it is mm. to struggle. And so, so, so I try to get innovative and help companies do things like that. And, and, uh, my company's called triangle consulting group and, and, uh, it breaks down each point is leadership, business and community. And so how can the business, um, apply the leadership to help to be a community partner and be a successful business. And, and that's really what the, what my goal as a company is, is, is helping other businesses be more efficient, be more successful, but then also benefiting their local community and, and uh, impacting in a positive way. Um, so that, so that's really well, you know, what's most important to me. My, my team is 25 people that we all have different, um, 
you know, different work experiences. I, I don't have 25 people that only worked in mm-hmm. assembly. I have 25 people and some worked in body weld, some were former maintenance, some were worked in paint shop, um, some were, you know, worked in uh, human resources. So I've got these 25 people and we can literally go in and help a company with any problem. And it's not just manufacturing. It can be, you know, um, I'm, I'm talking with, actually with a healthcare consultant in West Virginia right now, uh, you know, and looking for ways to partner with other consultants, you know, because, because I don't pretend to have all the answers because I, I don't, even though I left Toyota and went into a management level position, um, I recognize the fact that I don't have all the answers. So I try to partner with people that, that, that can make up my gap. Right. And, and so what's great about us is, is say, Mark, if, if you went into a, a big hospital and, and you were launching this big hospital and you just need a manpower, right. And some innovative thinkers, um, you could hire my consulting company to go in and partner with you and for us to do a big blitz mm-hmm. activity. And so, so it's, um, it's not that I'm, I, I really like to partner with other consultants um, to help them reach all their goals mm-hmm. as well. And, and how can people contact you if, if they would want you or someone else from the triangle consulting group team to come in and yeah. coach with them or, uh, you know, coach them or work with them mm-hmm. in some way. Yeah. So my email is, is tim.turner at trianglecg.com. And our website is trianglecg.com. Great. Yeah. And, and, um, and, you know, and, and I tell people I'll, I'll go anywhere in the world. I've been to China twice, Mexico three times. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll go anywhere in the world. So, so I'm not, um, you know, hesitant on jumping on a plane and meeting anybody <laughs> where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tim, it's been really, really nice being able to talk to you again. Uh, gosh, nine years after <laughs> the first mm-hmm. podcast. Um, again, I would invite people um, to, to go uh, check out the book. You can find it on, on Amazon um, as, as paperback and uh, Kindle versions. Uh, One team on all levels, um, the second edition that's available now. And it's listed um, as, as by Tim Turner and friends. You had a lot of collaborators on this book. Yeah. I had 80, 80 team members that wrote for it. And that's really kind of the premise for my business starting with that book is how can we bring other people together to help, you know, make the world a better place. Yep. Well, great. So that, that's a great note to go ahead and, um, and leave things on. Let, let's, let's uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm sure this conversation, what you've shared here, I hope it'll inspire others to, um, to use TPS and other, other lessons from Toyota, whether we call it lean or whatever label we give it, let, let's, go, let's go create uh, better patient care, better organizations, uh, a better world. That's aiming high, huh? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. It's an important challenge, right? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Well, um, again, our, our guest today has been Tim Turner. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for taking time. Again, I apologize for the... Uh, the car dealer interruption. I did get my vehicle back and I, and I do appreciate them for that, but, uh, yeah. Tell them to give me a call, Mark. <laughs> Go fix their car wash amongst other things, maybe. Oh, I'm sorry. You'll, you'll, you'll help them. Absolutely. You'll help them figure out how to fix their car wash. Right. Absolutely. Yes. A better way to say it. So, all right. Thanks a lot, Tim. Yeah. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.